welcome, welcome, one and all. Uh, this is Witch Car Weekly. It's the place, this the, the safe place where journalists that may have come from abusive relationships can talk about uh, all things car. They can you know, this, this is where we this is where we um, we go slightly irreverent and most of the time irrelevant. Um, I am of course joined by some of our favourite regulars, Scotty Newman and Chris Dawson returning once again. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me on this lovely Melbourne morning. Hello. Daniel, it's why, why, does Chris, why do Chris and I look like an unmade bed and you still look quite reasonable? What is your secret in lockdown? To remain um, lighting. It's all lighting. Uh, oh, is it? See, yes, I have a, uh, what would this be? A, a westerly facing aspect. Um, mm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just a little bit of slap and makeup. Uh, bit of slap, bit of tickle. <laughs> Here's me just showing up to a Zoom call that I wasn't expecting to be on and then <laughs> Scott's immediately called me an unmade bed just because I decided I wasn't going to do my hair today. Well, Thanks, look at Scott. <laughs> I put myself in uh, it as well. We're both in the unmade bed together. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, brilliant. Now this is, this is taking a, a, a Someone definitely call it, uh, more exciting turn um it is not your faces we're here to enjoy gentlemen or your attire or your how well kempt you are it is your voices and your minds we want um and with that let's not muck around any longer the thing we want to talk about first up today as is typical we try and kick off with a more newsy sort of current thing uh, before inevitably digressing into something totally uh, unrelated BMW has released a new variant within its X2 range. Um, are we excited about it? It's based on the middle of the range version. Um, maybe it's a new performance version. Maybe it's a slightly more accessible version. Uh, it's none of those things, is it, Scott? It's something utterly deplorable. It's called the BMW X2 M Mesh Edition. And now well, we've talked well, about it well, enough. Just, and let's just in case on. people didn't hear you correctly or think they misheard you, it's called the what the M mesh? Well, it's interesting. This is where we need, I think BMW needs some punctuation in here because we need, <laughs> you know, we need a bit of Kia style punctuation in the name because I go looked on. at it. When you first look at it, you go BMW X2 M mesh edition. You think, oh, that's good. I didn't even know there was an X2 M. That's exciting. There's obviously a special right. edition with the X2 M. But no, it's an BMW X2 pause. M mesh edition. M mesh. <laughs> I don't know if someone just stuttered when they were doing the name or m -m 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 mesh edition, mesh edition, or something. But so, uh, yes, it's a mess. The important thing about Maybe this it's name. X two mesh edition. It does well, look that, like an absolute mess. So yes. there is that. So the important thing about its name is it describes the most notable part about this car. So not its engine, not its chassis, not its styling. The mesh in its grill. That the literally is the high point of this newly introduced variant. It's all about the grill. What is going on here? So basically, and why do they part, dare? Well, I mean, that gets into the conversation of the the uh, you know prostitution of the performance brands. Um, the so it's, it's to get people across it. It's basically a tart-up kit for a BMW X2, and despite the fact that it's called an X2 M Mesh Edition, it is. It's not all-wheel drive. It's not, it's not based on the X2 M235i or anything. It is just an X2 S-Drive 20i, you know, a, an inoffensive car in, its, in its, itself. You know, it's front-wheel drive, 141 kilowatts. 
but now it's had an M-badge slapped on it. It's got some fuzzy decals. It's got a grill from the actual M235i. Uh, I it's guess after in... that it can no longer be called inoffensive. That's right. And now it can come in Brooklyn grey with some orange decals. It kind of, it kind of looks like a, like a New Balance sneaker or something, like a Nike sneaker <laughs> or something. You know, it's got that grey with the orange highlights. I don't know. It's just, who buys these things? Like, who looks at oh, it and that's goes, yes, that's exactly the car for me? Yeah, let's, let's get into the marketing minds of BMW here and try and work out. Because you'd never get a straight answer from BMW on what this car does. You know, they'd say something along It'd the be lines lifestyle of, and aspirational. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, exactly. But what we know is they're trying to, they're trying to sell the BMW brand um, to an audience that don't really care about the heritage and where the brand, how the brand um, established itself as a popular and, and uh, a company worthy of attention. So, as you say, it's a two-wheel drive version. It's not a particularly performance-focused version. It's in a vehicle that kind of started or continued BMW's ventures into front-wheel drives. So we're getting further and further away from the mantra of good driving and, and um, you know, pursuing the ultimate driving machine, to use their old cash cry. Uh, is it selling the brand too cheap? Is it, do too many of these cars ultimately undo all the good that BMW has done? I think if they were looking for a new, more fashionable, you know, fashionable in quotation marks audience, calling the, the car something that fish get caught in or that, you know, <laughs> you'd, you know, it's just like, you know, something you'd wrap a chicken coop up in doesn't really sound that appealing. So I don't... BMW I don't, X2 Chicken Coupe. Yeah. <laughs> mesh that is not... Is mesh is not a sexy word, so I don't no, know where... No, it's not. Like, and it's, as Scott pointed out, putting the word mesh after the letter M just does sound like a stutter. So it's also if I wanted to be sexy, annoying it could be the to say. BMW X2 Fishnet Edition. That would be more... Ooh, saucy. Be. <laughs> that would be, yeah, a bit more saucy, a bit more... Yes. Um, so in seriousness, then what do they call it? I mean, it's, I, I really cannot imagine the conversation that happened around a table somewhere in Mulgrave to decide we're just going to highlight the one, basically the main change we made. I mean, if other car this, companies follow the same... Process, Dan, then it'd Dan, be all a, kinds of stupid names. Dan, you're a BMW aficionado. Is this the lowest the M brand has sunk? I mean, this isn't a, you know, this has literally, it's not the BMW X2 e mesh edition. If you did that, well, okay, fair enough. It's an X2 M with the same naming convention as the X5 M and the X3 M. So it's an X2 M mesh edition. Is this the lowest 100%, sunk? 100% it is without question the lowest it's, lowest it's sunk. It's, it's sacrilege in no short, no uncertain terms. Taking that brand that people have followed BMW for years and years uh, and cheapening it with literally just a new grill is what customers used to do when I was still on the tools uh, and we used to laugh at them. They'd come in with a BMW X5 and they'd slapped an M badge on the boot and we're like, he walks <laughs> off an MX5. It's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, Chris, by the way. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but these are the people that BMW used to laugh at when they were customizing cars and claiming they were M something when they had absolutely nothing to do with it. Previously, BMW has run out special editions, which do also reference the M brand, but at least they did something performance focused. It might have been chassis or even something simple like, you know, a body kit that was more aerodynamic. I mean, even that you can kind of say is kind of 
you know, and light. This is simply nothing to do with it. And I worry, that's why I asked the question, that if you do too many of these kind of things, you actually dilute the M brand and people stop loving it for the authority that it is. Yes, yeah, so it's a uh, It'd be interesting to talk to, you know, the people who are actually buying BMW M cars. Does, does this sort of thing matter to them? I mean, I suppose it's got an M because it's got an M, M Sport pack on it, you know, the, the tart-up kit. And, you know, we're laying in the BMW here, but, you know, all the, all the manufacturers do it, AMG, RS, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yes, I suppose M, these performance brands, like you said, they used to stand for, you know, enhancements, and now they are essentially options packs they are styly stylistic treatments which is a bit sad i suppose i don't really have a problem with creating a variant that does the job of the m mesh edition no i the, pro the problem i have is calling it what they did both first of all referencing the m and then second of all just talking about its grill i think that's utterly stupid and if every if all other car manufacturers did it then we'd have the audi a4 fake carbon fiber edition and we'd yep. have the mercedes 100 to spend in super cheap auto edition you know it's <laughs> just like just talking about the cheap add-ons you've you've added to make it look like something else is not a great way to name a car yeah yeah it's like i, I can't wait till subaru comes out with the impreza completely functionless roof scoop uh edition <laughs> yes perfect <laughs> i love it i buy Does that does this feel like something that would have been way less out of place if Mini had done it, just on the other side of, you know, BMW's branding? That's a, that is a great question. Um, Funny Mini you should gets say away that with being a... because Go on. Mini just did this. I don't know if you saw it. We didn't really cover it, but it's they just rolled out a plethora of weird yeah. sort of special editions, and the one of them was we're talking they about do it all famous. The time. <laughs> we're talking about famous <laughs> brands, though. They came out with a Mini Paddy Hopkirk edition. And you think, whoa, that's going to be fantastic. You know, harking back to its most famous rally success. And it was just a set of numbers painted on the door. But yeah, poor exactly. Old, because Poor old Paddy Hopkirk, you know, he didn't drive day and night through the snow in, the, in a, you know, Cooper S to have his name plastered on a car that had, just has a couple of decals on it. That's that a fair point. Was, I think, yeah, the only way Mini gets away with it perhaps a little bit more is... It's the brand that's that's really okay having a bit of a laugh at itself. It, it's never taken itself yeah. too seriously. Not certainly not since it, BMW ownership of it. So I think if it still, I'd, I'd be having exactly the same um, umbrage with with calling it an M mesh or you know mini JCW mesh version. Um, but at least it kind of if it did come up with a really silly name, you'd, you'd be kind of going, are they just taking the piss? You know, are they just <laughs> having poking fun at themselves? But BMW is far too serious for that. Absolutely. Now, can we talk about something else? I'm sick of talking about this car. <laughs> Good we did pretty well. Yeah, no, no, that is easily the best time to move on. Uh, um, all right, next up. We, uh, this is a great idea. Chris, you, um, you had a, a lovely idea uh, what, that came to you when browsing some of uh, Australia's most popular models. Um, we often talk on Which Car Weekly about the fact that many, in fact, a vast majority of Australian car owners don't really care very much about cars. And that's why you have, um, let's be honest, quite dull cars representing the most popular models and variants in Australia. So as our service to the community, uh, three Which Car Weekly panellists are going to present 
um, some of the most popular models in Australia and their alternatives as we see fit. Yes, I think one of the things you, you'll notice when you look through the cars that Australians buy in the largest numbers in some, some of our um, different market categories like small SUVs and sedans and hatchbacks is that you're asking yourself why is this the <laughs> most popular one or why is this in the top three for this category because having driven some of them and the alternatives that aren't necessarily at massively different price points or even some of them that are cheaper you're wondering whether people have actually driven anything alternative to the one they chose so you know the best example we can all we all immediately jumped to was sorry toyota the hilux which is very regularly at the top of the sales charts overall in the country don't apologize um, to toyota until we reveal until toyota makes a, cars in there until well yeah until toyota makes a a, a a ute that doesn't ride horribly unless you've got half a ton of stuff in the back of it um yes okay <laughs> good place to start now i should point out this at this point that the five cars we've picked are not the top five sellers in Australia. We just pick representative in the most popular cars um, to represent a broader spread of segments across the market. Yes. So in, in terms of dual cab utes, the, the Hilux and the Ranger are always sitting there right at the top. Um, Mitsubishi's Triton isn't too far away, but the fact that the Hilux has that history of being, you know, this is the unbreakable ute um, is probably the reason it's there. But I think all three of us could probably come up with better alternatives, um, even just aside from the Ranger. Although I'm sure that's you know going to be going to be obviously. It's an interesting, a, it's an interesting segment because they all kind of do the same thing. Like you know, um, you know, it's a, such a crowded segment. You got Triton, Navara. If it was purely, it's it's clearly not purely price driven because especially you know, the Hilux just went up massively in price. The Ford Ranger is by f certainly not the cheapest option. And they all, you know, they all have very similar engines. They all you know, have very similar chassis. They all carry five people, yada, 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 CarPlay, etc. So it's, whereas the Ranger and the Hilux are clearly the standouts, like they sell massively more than all the others. So marketing, we're back to marketing then. Surely, surely they just sell them it's, better. Yeah, it's absolutely that that the Hilux badge. But I think the Ranger I can understand because it is fine to drive. I've you know I'm not a dual cab person, and I don't understand why everyone feels like they need a, a work ute when they're you know <laughs> driving to the accountancy office or whatever. But um, I, that is absolutely not true. <laughs> but um, it's at the top of the sales chart, so there's definitely not that many traders in Australia buying a new Ute every month. Um, I, yeah, the the Ranger I can understand, the Hilux I cannot. And then you know, okay, Daniel, what would you buy instead of a Hilux? I'm glad you asked, Chris. Uh, before we go <laughs> to that, I'm going to just touch on a, a little a little bit of why I think the Toyota does so well, and to a certain extent the Ranger. Um, we can review all of the utes, the one-ton utes and dual cabs on the market very objectively and come up with the reasons why one is particularly much better than the other. But what we can't do is take each one around Australia with 100,000 kilometers on the clock and tell you which one was easier to get fixed when something fell off. 
or you're in the middle of nowhere. And you know, so the Toyota particularly does as well as it does because people, even though they may never go further than the accountancy office, which of course that's where everyone goes now, they like the idea that if they chose to drive around Australia, everyone you, you know, every bush mechanic, every garage in the middle of bloody nowhere would know what a Hilux was and you'd have the best chance of getting back on the road with your caravan quickly. So that's the one thing you really can't deny about the Hilux. However, the, the subtext of that is how many people actually do that. So for all of our arguments apply only if you're not going to disappear off around the world or Australia. And in light of that, I would recommend the Sangyong Maso. Oh, yes. interesting. Right. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Is, <laughs> uh, the reason I picked it is exactly what Scotty says. They all do the same job unless you're going to throw them like 4x4 Australia do at the side of a mountain. You won't know the difference between off-road ability and departure angles and all that bollocks. So the Sangyong, in my experience, and I have spent many hundreds of kilometres in a Musso XLV, and it was surprisingly good. You might say, well, what about Toyota dependability? Well, Toyota only offers five-year warranty. Sangyong offers seven years warranty. So it doesn't matter if it's unreliable. You've got that car for seven years without too much trouble. And also, the top of the range Sangyong is cheaper than the very entry-level Toyota Hilux. So once again, it is madness that so many people consider the Hilux if they're simply using it as a family car or a, or a work use. Interesting. You're, I, I commend you, Dan. I wasn't. I wanted to say the Sangyong, but I don't think I would have been brave enough. Um, <laughs> because I was having a look around them. Because you know, as someone who may buy a Ute, I was thinking. Why wouldn't you buy one of these? Like seven-year warranty, lots of space, and again, they all you know the specs are similar to all the other ones: diesel engines, automatic gearbox, you know, plenty of yeah. toys in it. Uh, it's a very tempting package. Um, personally, I'd have to be say, say it'd be boring, and I wouldn't buy a Hilux, but I'd buy a Ranger. I'd like a Ranger Raptor very much, but they are very expensive, and they don't. They've one thing they've inherited from the Hilux is being depreciation-proof, sadly. Uh, yeah. They're no cheaper yet secondhand than they are brand new. Um, but at least one... you've used a Raptor as it's intended. If you if you yes. are listening and you've not seen Scotty's video of what he did in a Ranger Raptor, then stop listening immediately and go and search which car to <laughs> you for that video because it was absolutely brilliant. Carry on. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but I think I'd actually, I've actually, like I said, I've sort of been sniffing around this segment, but I haven't had a chance to drive many of them. But uh, the Mitsubishi Triton, I think, Deserves a, deserves a mention because, A, because I actually don't mind the styling, which is really weird. They put that massive big bluff front end on it. And initially I was like, ooh, it's a bit much, but I think it, I don't know, it kind of works. Uh, they're very reasonably priced. They're probably not fantastic to drive, but as we said, none of them really are. Uh, and they've just announced Mitsubishi that if you service the car with Mitsubishi, they'll give you a 10-year warranty. What? So... I did look into this yesterday. Actually, the 10-year warranty, you have to service it with Mitsubishi for the entire 10 years for their capture price servicing. And then they'll give you a 200,000K warranty, but your 10-year servicing will only go till 150,000K. So for, yeah, if, you okay. drive it, if you drive it 200,000K in 10 years, you'll have to service it at Mitsubishi at full cost. All right. Well, that's that's a whole list of caveats, but it's still <laughs> probably not a bad deal, actually. I mean, Mitsubishi, not yeah. the most expensive um, service centre. So, yeah, great. Good. Well worth mention. So I am throwing 
I'm throwing my price tag completely out the window and saying, if you want a dual cab, you might as well buy one that's really nice to drive by a Volkswagen Amarok. Hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. It's yeah. It's realistically, if we weren't being smart asses, it's the one we probably will go for. Um, that V6 diesel in it, if you can go up to the 580 or wherever it's called, is utterly sensational. Um, the most simple off-road system, you basically drive from the tarmac onto mud and it does it all for you. It's just a sensation. Yeah, easy. Right, what's next? And just <laughs> ignore those price tags, like I said. Uh, oh, this one, this one's really frustrating because it's, it's ancient and it's not very inspiring and it's a small SUV, which also marks it down in my books because no one needs SUVs like they think they do. It's the Mitsubishi ASX. This is interesting. Brilliant. This is an interesting because this car is actually older than you are, Chris. Yes, I'm, I'm nine years old and this one's about 10 or 11. Yeah, that's right. It's a perfect it's example. It's a phenomenon, isn't it? It is. It's the perfect example of and fair play to Mitsubishi. Like we can sit here and go, oh, it's not the best car. It's brilliant business. They've spent just Absolutely. enough on it to keep it fresh. Yep. You know, extra equipment and stuff like that. The fact that they've amortized the development costs 14 years ago means they can offer it at a very good price. It's dependable. It's reliable. Fair play to them. Uh, it's offering, you know, the, we can talk about what's the best car, but rule 101 of anything is give the customers what they want. And clearly customers want an ASX. Um, for me, interestingly, it's being outsold now, though, about by a car which seems to be actually a very good car, and I think it's quite funky. It looks good. Seven-year warranty. Kia Seltos. Uh, haven't driven one personally, but uh, they look good. From the reviews I've read from my esteemed colleagues, seems it drives well. Uh, lots of kit. Good warranty. Yeah, well done, well done, Kia. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people are predicting the Seltos to, to be the next ASX if they can if they can yeah maintain decent pricing, a really good uh, variant spread, which is what the ASX has got, and that's what really attracts a lot of people to that. Um, absolutely, I think Kia could really steal that title because ultimately Mitsubishi is staring down the barrel of a situation which is it doesn't have a new offering. Sooner or later, people will start to go look new infotainment system, bit of a facelift, the nineteenth one or whatever. But ultimately, it's like what's that? What's that? That film, was it Meryl Streep when, when they, death become, not death becomes it, you know, when they're, they're eternal, but their bodies are decomposing and they keep having makeup put over the top of a decomposing face and it's hideous. Oh, was that awful. film? Yeah, it was, it's hideous. I, I haven't seen this film, but it sounds like the ASX. <laughs> it is the ASX, it is. So it's basically, it's, it's 700 years old, but it's just got a thick layer of hard plaster over the top to hide it. And sooner or later, <laughs> that will start crumbling off and people will see how old it is underneath. People will freaking it. Yeah, then the Seltos will rain. So, well, come on, Dan, what are you taking? Well... The ASX is supposed to be classed as an, um, an SUV, but you can't have it as a, as a four-wheel drive. So when people buy that, they don't really want an SUV. Um, it's not really any bigger than uh, a hatchback of equivalent um, in the same segment. So uh, I'm going to suggest people buy a Volkswagen Golf instead. It's a much better car. You'll enjoy driving it much more. It's got so much more technology in it. You don't want an SUV if you buy an, an ASX. Can you get a Golf for the same money as a ASX? 23 grand the ASX starts at, so yeah, you can get an entry-level Golf for that, I think, can't you? Oh, well, you did, the manual, the manual 110, I think, was, was 20-something yeah. for a while. Yeah, low, low 20s is the entry level for a Golf. I'm 
from memory, but that's, you have a, that's a good you, suggestion. Because, <laughs> sorry. Do you have oh. a, uh, what, what's your pick, Chris? Well, I was going to say just buy any wagon because yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't, you don't need an SUV probably. And if you really do, Buy one that looks better, like a Hyundai Kona or a Mazda CX-3 or something. Before we move on to the next, I just want to mention, if we were going dull, the opposite of dull, surely, is a Suzuki Vitara. I think the Vitara is cool. Very light. Oh, that's a funky, great suggestion. Little, yeah. Cool was, little turbo engine. So, anyway, yeah. I think it's almost like the anti-ASX. Like, it doesn't, it sells actually okay, which is good. Um, but Suzuki were it's quite... It's a bargain as well. Yeah, Suzuki were quite clever in the way they made it because it is, yeah, very light, you know, up-to-date turbo engine. Uh, handles quite well, so yeah, go and buy a Vitara. I considered the Ignis, right, but then I remember the Ignis is basically a hatchback. <laughs> yeah, and the Ignis is like it's sub, very small, compact. Yeah, right. I, I just I had this image in my head of the Ignis being much larger than it is, and then I just remembered, oh no, the Ignis is small. Well, that's a good segue <laughs> into our next because okay. because my next category, not that the Ignis is the one I would pick, but but for some reason the MG3 is really popular. Like you know, not. Not really popular, but way more popular than I think it should be, given it has a three-star safety rating and no ABS and so many potential issues with it. Uh, <laughs> I think you mean no, a, no AEB. Uh, no, no, a, yeah. <laughs> no AEB, not ABS. <laughs> oh, just, to, just to be clear, the MGS, the, the be, MG3 it does, absolutely have does have ABS. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's got, it's got think... a manual airbag that you have to inflate yourself <laughs> just before you crash. Absolutely. You've actually got to wind the crank not... yourself to start it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 not got the most features for a car in its segment, and um, I'm just going to kick us right off by saying that the Kia Picanto exists, and if you really need a small, cheap car, it's the cheapest and the best. How do I get Once that? again, the voice of reason, Chris. Uh, I think I, we'd be hard pressed to disagree with that, and is absolutely on my list. Um, Picanto my has a five-star ANCAP rating and it is fun and looks cool and you can move house in it because I've done that. Oh, wow. Excellent. You had to I, do 73,000 trips, <laughs> but you still did move I helped a friend move and we managed to get all of his music recording equipment and a bike in the back. So Very impressive. Safety aside, which obviously is, is very high up, we know this, very high up Australian consumers' lists of must-haves. Safety aside, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd almost recommend the MG3. <laughs> like, it looks really cool. It's got the same seven-year warranty as the Kia. Um, it's now available as an auto, but not a particularly good one. Um, hands up, who's driven the MG3? No one. Right. <laughs> For the benefit of the listener, no one put their hand up there, including me. So, like, why not? It might actually be a sensational thing. Until I've driven that car, and survived the experience, which is very unlikely, I don't want to not recommend it. But as that's not the game, I will recommend something. And what I would say is run into a Holden dealership with your arms flying around um, and in among all the rustling paper and shredded paper and dust and say, do you have any Astras left? Because if you slap 17 grand on the table and said, I'll take whatever Astra you've got, you probably get one. That's not a bad pick. Uh, the other thing Excellent to mention point. is the reason there's no one's driven an MG3 is because MG won't give them out to journalists to well, drive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't uh, sure doesn't if we necessarily were happy to say that, but <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean anything. We are drawing no conclusions from that. Draw your own conclusions from that. Maybe they just want to sell them all to customers instead, and you can't uh, can't criticize them for that. Um, for me, I think there's not a lot around in that uh, segment. I mean, 
Apollo, Apollo is about 23 to a 22 drive away, which is a much better car, five-year warranty at the moment. Uh, but, you know, in that segment, four grand is kind of everything, four or five grand. Um, yeah. yeah. Hard to go past, probably a, I'd go the Kia Picanto or another Kia option is, we're saying a lot of Kias, you know, I hope Kia enjoy this. Uh, but a second-hand Kia Rio would be good because you'd still get plenty of warranty left. Say, say a two-year-old Kia Rio, you're a kind of next quasi next size up, so you get a bit more room. You know, it's not, you know, it doesn't change the world to drive. But it's a, if you want a simple, uh, simple small car, you could get yeah probably a couple of a Kia Rio and uh, yeah. All right. Well, the next car in the Kia Motors Australia sponsored top five cars <laughs> you should buy instead of the boring ones. Um, what's the next class, Chris? Toyota Camry. That's a class okay. now. I didn't so realise you said up, class. I thought you said car. And I, I came like... up with this, and oh, I want to preface this. This is the second Toyota in the list, and it's easy to poke fun at the Camry, but the Camry now is a very good car. This is dull Excellent. cars, not bad cars. So uh, Camry has always dominated its segment and usually it was boring and actually not very good, but fair play to Toyota. They upped the game. The new Camry looks quite snazzy, quite good to drive, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but it's still kind of the boring choice. So that's why I nominated it. I just wanted to say that we're not kicking Toyota. It's a good car, but they're in, especially in that mid-sized sedan class, there are other options that are very, very worthy and don't get the, probably the sales success they deserve, such as Daniel. Right. Okay. Um, agreed. Camry is a good car, but the spirit of this game is it's dull. So um, I'm just going to weigh straight in with a car and there's significance to this. Um, Subaru Liberty. You can't Ooh. buy that car for much longer. Um, and the reason is because everyone bought Camrys. Had they not and got into another very good Japanese car, you would have got all wheel drive, a boxer engine, um, a decent CVT, charisma, and personality. Uh, but you can't buy that for very long because you all bought the wrong car for too long and now Subaru's not selling Liberty anymore. Fair. Christopher? I am realizing that my suggestion, I'm not sure where the price points for entry and exit, exit level, top level uh, <laughs> variants are. This is where I'm going to exit the range right at the top. <laughs> it's um, a Lamborghini Huracan, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, no, you've got me. Yes, I think um, Uber drivers would be well-to-do to, -do to uh, start using Hurricanes for their trips. Um, uh, the Hyundai Ionic. I, I know that the entry-level price is way higher than the Camry's entry-level price, but if you were buying a nicer Camry and you would consider a hybrid or electric Ionic, yeah. um, I think we need to start looking at, you know, the people who buy Camrys don't care, most, mostly don't care about cars. If you don't care about cars, you shouldn't care about what engine it has, so you might as well use something that isn't spewing out CO2, not that the oh, Camry is particularly Chris, so spewing out CO2. Oh, but also, so this is why we have young people would, on the show. Yes. That would make me feel a lot better about all of the times I've absolutely floored it around a racetrack in a V8 in the name <laughs> of Motor Magazine. So <laughs> That's a very good pick. Yeah, uh, I love that. That's a great I, uh, There's a few on my list, actually. Master 6, great car, Master 6. Looks good, drives well. Yeah. Um, yeah, great pick. Expensive? Um, yeah, it could be. Could be, but, you know, it's a quality product. Uh, Skoda Octavia, another great car. Uh, heaps of kid in it, heaps of space. Yes. They drive really well. But I'm going to nominate the Peugeot 508. Stunning looking oh, car, inside yeah. and out. 
Again, had not yes. one I've driven yet, but uh, I've spoken to Andy, who's driven it. Apparently, it handles very well. Um, you know, punchy turbo engine, good French ride quality, uh, and they just look so damn good. Uh, and yeah. not to like no one else will buy one, so it'll be one of the rarest cars on the road. So <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> not talk about resale value. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, just keep it forever. Don't worry about it. Um, so there you go. Peugeot five hundred eight is my pick. Next. Great picks. Last yes. one. It's uh, another idea that Scott threw at me was that um, this is a very nice car that is sort of more in the, you know, luxury uh, ish ish direction. But the the C class and in turn the E class dominate their categories for from more Mercedes expensive Benz. for more expensive. Yes, from from Merc for more expensive sedans. Um, and we would. I just want to know what car you would buy instead of a C class. I have some ideas, Scott. Well, this was, uh, so yeah, I was looking at, um, we, we've sort of gone through some sensible cars and I thought, well, what about less sensible stuff? So you look at the sports cars over 80 grand, it's the C-Class and the E-Class coupon convertible, just wipe the floor with everything else in that class. Just wipe it out of the, they're like, they're like, I mean, it's not big sales, but it's like four times, five times the next competitor. And it's quite a crowded little segment. So for me, I would go a very similar car and equally nice, I think, some ways better, an Audi A5. Coupe or convertible. Um, again, great insight. But it doesn't matter what you do. If you're buying a two-liter TFSI, although they've changed all the names now, like a 40 TSI. FSI, FSI, yeah, FSI, I don't understand reason, it. Whatever. Uh, even up to RS5, like, you know, you can have a nice V6. You can have the twin turbo V6, a two-liter turbo. They all drive pretty well. Um, yeah, they look great. And for some reason, they sell a fraction of their Mercedes counterparts. So to... Uh, Get away from the herd. I will go an Audi A5. Chris? I have a really terrible answer that I love and you're all going to hate and think I'm stupid for. Oh, brilliant. Chrysler, no, that's the good. The Chrysler 300 SRT. I don't know why I thought of this, but if you were going to buy a car that was that expensive and you really didn't need it, why not just go... This is me after saying I Ionic. I wonder what the buyer <laughs> crossover is. If uh, you know, I've got seventy grand to spend on a sedan. I could buy a Mercedes C two hundred, or I could go and get a Chrysler three hundred SRT. Which would you yeah. rather drive? Yeah, Chrysler. That, Chrysler's cool. That is a fantastic answer. I love that, Chris. That's awesome. I, I love it. This you've just gone from the man who just suggested buying something nice, environmentally sensitive, electric, <laughs> or hey, you're saying a six point four Hemi V eight, like. <laughs> What happened to you? Uh, what happened to me was that I decided I should offset my 300 SRT with something yeah. electric. <laughs> I love this. This is a great segment to close on or a model to close on because, you know, the C-Class is undoubtedly a very good car, but then you, you'd want it to be, you know, competing in a, in a segment that starts at $65,000. So, look, I love driving the C-Class, but it doesn't particularly excite me. So I think it does fall, relatively speaking, into a bit of a dull sort of segment. So um, <laughs> pragmatically speaking and you know left field, Jaguar XE I think is a really superb car. Um, if you're after something a little bit um, unusual on the road then unfortunately you know, they don't sell as many as they should because they're great. Easily one of the best steering systems in a car. I, I love it. But I'm not going to go for that because the this, this se segment is sponsored by Kia Motors Australia so I'm going to say Kia Stinger. Um, <laughs> It's yeah. not. This segment is not sponsored by Kia. Okay. Okay. Cars, Can I help you out there, Dan, then? Because if you're going to go a bit more premium, a bit more in the Mercedes range, Genesis G70 Genesis is a cracking G70. car. And a bit nicer inside. Very good point. 
Very good point. Better, handles a bit better, same engine. I'm, I'm I also want to... anyone yeah, okay. who anyone who drove a Holden Calais or a Ford G6E slash you know Fairmont or whatever, and said, "Oh, there's nothing. You know, we don't make anything like that anymore." And okay, we don't. But go and drive a Genesis G70 because it's got the power, it's got the ride quality. It's so close to the traditional talents of our Aussie sedans that have now left. It's not even funny. Even with the two-liter engine, the two-liter turbo engine, that car is very fun and very nice. There you go. Gentlemen, that was that was not only that was dangerously close to consumer advice. It was. I think that was, <laughs> it was and it was good fun too. Um, great. Well, we had another thing to talk about, but that's going to have to you have to hold that thought until next week when we will regather our minds together and talk about another exciting subject. Um, and who knows who that will be spotted by? No, no. This is impartial and totally unbiased. Uh, all just the amusing for the idiots. Um, thank you, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of your day and your week. And until next time, do stay safe on the roads and join us again for another Witch Car Weekly. Cheerio. We love Kia. Uh... <laughs> <laughs>